0: Hello and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskeia Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeiachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Messiah that would overturn Roman occupation. That's what he thought. And all of a sudden, in one night, his whole vision came crashing down. After all those years of following Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is getting arrested as a common criminal. Peter's thinking, maybe if I give it one last shot, maybe Jesus will spring into action and use his powers against the Romans. I'm going to read for you a long passage that tells us about the arrest of Jesus here in John chapter 18. Listen to what the Word of God says. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now, Judas Jesus said, I told you, I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you have given me. I have not lost one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, (laughs) drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Wow. Peter thinks maybe if I pull my sword, Jesus will go into Superman mold. And he'll take out all these soldiers. (laughs) This is vintage Peter. Peter always acts first and then thinks later. You know people like this? Have you ever heard the phrase, ready, aim, fire? Peter put it this way, ready, fire, aim. That's how he operated in his life. The text there tells us that there was a Roman cohort. The word cohort normally meant around 600 men. I'm not sure if that's, maybe it was just part of the cohort, but can you imagine 600 soldiers show up armed to try and take gentle Jesus? (laughs) And when he says, I am he, the power of Jesus knocks them to the ground. I I don't know how many soldiers were there. It was probably Roman soldiers, but uh, one of the parallel passages tells us that there were also temple guard there. So it could have been even more than 600 people who show up to arrest one little man. In fact, the phrase there in Greek is aklos polos, which we translate a great multitude. So we don't know exactly whether it was the full 600, but it was a lot of people, enough that they referred to it as a great multitude had shown up to arrest Jesus. Well, whatever the number was, Peter was clearly outmanned. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Peter's thinking, I got a sword. I'll take on these 600 soldiers plus the temple guard. Maybe if I start the fight, Jesus will jump in. <laughs> well, we're talking about Peter this morning because we're getting to, ready to read the two letters, first and second Peter, that Peter left us in the New Testament. And so I want to talk a little bit about Peter's character, crazy, impetuous Peter. Jump first, shoot first, aim later. You can see it in so many passages. One of them is Matthew chapter 14. We don't have time to read it, but you remember the story where Jesus walks on the water. What, what does Peter do? He jumps out of the boat. He says, Jesus, command me to walk on the water towards you. And so there's that ready, fire, aim thing going on. We see it again in Matthew chapter 17, the story of the transfiguration. Jesus takes three of the disciples up on the mountain to pray. And while they're praying, it says that Jesus is transfigured. He becomes like bright white light. Guess what Peter does? He jumps right in again. He says, Jesus, I know I'm a fisherman and you're a carpenter, but I'm gonna tell you we should build three shelters here. Don't you think? And God himself has to say to Peter, no, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Once again, Peter jumping out there. After Jesus' resurrection, we're told in John chapter 21, the first eight verses, that Jesus, when he returns, he's cooking breakfast on the beach, and they're out fishing, and just like he found them when he first met them, they're not catching anything. And so Jesus calls out to him, and one of the disciples in the boat says, oh, it's the master. And it's great. You should read it sometime. Verse 7 is one of the funniest verses in the Bible. Peter puts all of his clothes on and then jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. It's like, no, 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 you, you take them off, and then you swim to Jesus. But the text tells us Peter's so excited that Jesus has returned that he puts his clothes on and jumps in the water. (laughs) And all the way there, he's swimming, thinking, oh, I just denied him three times. I didn't think about that. The, The man who's now on the beach cooking breakfast, resurrected from the dead, is the same one I just jumped down some people's throat and said, I don't even know the man, when they accused him of being one of Jesus' disciples. He says, no, no, I, that's not me. So here's the question. This is the key question. How did this impetuous jumper, Peter, or Simon as he's originally called, how did he become the first leader of the church? <laughs> Would you pick Peter? It's like, man, this guy's got to get some self-control. He, he just goes off, jumps in the water whenever asked. I'm not sure we want to make him the leader of everything, but in fact, that's exactly what Jesus does. In fact, he renames him. From Simon, he gives him a new name, Peter. The word in the Greek meant rock. Peter, you're going to be my rock. You'll be the rock. Listen to what Jesus says to Peter here in Luke chapter 22. He says, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. Can you imagine that? Satan came to Jesus and says, I want that guy. That he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again strengthen your brothers. This is Jesus' game plan. Peter, you're going to have to be the rock that says to all these scared disciples whose hopes have been crushed, you're going to have to be the one that goes back and strengthens them to accomplish what I'm calling them to do. Go back, Peter, and strengthen your brothers when you return. Jesus knew he would return. He knew Peter's heart. Again, the question is how in the world did this impetuous, ready fire aim guy become Peter the apostle? We're going to be studying 1 Peter for the next eight weeks. First and second Peter, the two letters we have from him. And we could go into some background. It's pretty obvious that it was written by Peter. There are some people that question that. But very, very early in church history, we have church fathers that say, no, this was written by Peter himself. There are other letters that claim to be written by Peter that they rejected. But these two that we're going to study, these are ones that the early church said, no, that's from the apostle Peter. We know that. So, that's what we're going to be doing in AIM. And if you don't know, I'm going to review for you if you're new. AIM just stands for abide in me because Jesus in John 15 told the disciples, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you'll bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, no fruit, nothing. So, abiding where we're fond of saying around here is the most important discipline that a disciple can learn. If somebody has not learned how to abide in Christ, if they're dependent on coming and hearing fools like me, tell them what the Bible says, but they've never learned to eat from themselves, they are children. They are infants. What causes a person to grow just like our own children is at a certain age, they start feeding themselves. I have a grandson now Oh, they're rejoicing so much, they no longer have to spoon the food into his mouth. He's not very good. It takes him about five tries, but he takes his little shaky hand with a fork, and he might get one berry into his mouth. The other five fall, but he's practicing. He's learning how to feed himself, and that's what we want for you. We want you to learn yourself how to be an abider for yourself. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. You don't need me or somebody else to tell you what it means. Jesus said, I've given you the teacher and he will lead you into all truth if you will abide in me. Okay, so uh, Luke talked about kind of what we're doing. Every week I'll be teaching on the chapter you read. This week, every day, we want you to read 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, if the journal helps you, we really want you to do it, but the journal's not the point. The point is that you read 1 Peter chapter 1 and ask God, teach me. Ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you as you read the scriptures for yourself. You may come up with some amazing questions. You may come up with some insight of what God wants to say to you, not to everybody else, to you, and that's what we're looking for. Again, afterwards, if you need help, we've found that when people do the journal, they tend to do better. <laughs> they tend to do better because they can look and say, yeah, last week I only read once. <laughs> and they go, okay, I got to get better. I got to start practicing. I have to learn how to feed myself. Okay, so this morning, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm just introducing these two books. So I'm only covering verse 1, First Peter chapter 1. Verse 1, here's what he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So Jesus is writing, or Peter is writing this letter about Jesus to people in what we would call today northern Turkey. In his day, it was referred to as Asia Minor. And he uses two words there. These words are very uncommon together. He calls the people he's writing to elect exiles. If you don't remember anything else from this morning, I want you to remember Peter wants you to understand these two concepts. You are the elect, but currently you're an exile. You're an expat. Did you know that? All of us here are expats. We're not home yet. Peter says, if you don't remember that, you'll get very discouraged in this life. You have to remember these things. Who you are, I'm the elect. And where you are, ooh, I'm an exile. I'm a stranger in a strange land. If you get these two things right, you will be able to make it through this life with your faith intact. But if you don't understand this, if you forget who you are or where you are, you'll go through an awful lot of difficulties. In fact, I've seen some people who've walked away from their faith because they forgot who they were and they forgot where they were. Some people have so many troubles, they go, I just can't believe this anymore. It's like, do you not understand? You're in exile. You're not getting the inheritance yet. Why are you expecting it now? You're in exile. These two words are so critical for Peter because, remember we just talked about, Peter thought it was game over. Wow. So they came and arrested Jesus as a common criminal. They crucified him as a common criminal. Game over. He even denies Jesus three times. He had to conclude, okay, I, I, I guess it's over. Have you ever been there in your life? where you thought, okay, I guess it's over, I don't know what's going on, God, I can't figure out what you're doing, I don't know why I'm going through these difficulties, I pray to you, but I still don't understand it, he wants you to hear, guys, you are elect exiles, you must remember this, In fact, everything Peter writes in these two letters falls under one or the other category. One of the things I want you to look at as you read the text, some things, Peter says, are going to help you understand, oh yeah, I'm elect. And other things are going to help you understand, oh yeah, I'm in exile. That's why I'm having difficulty and hard experiences right now. Well, let's look at those two. The first one, he says, is you are the elect. Look at how Peter puts it just right after this. Verse 3 through 5, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed when? In the last times. In other words, Peter's saying, you, you have to understand this. You are insanely wealthy. You have an inheritance that's being protected in heaven for you it's imperishable. It's beyond your wildest imagination. Can you imagine that? You know, there are people who sometimes go, my father is worth a lot of money. Someday I will be worth a lot of money, but not now. Now I still get an allowance. (laughs) If you don't understand your election, you will get discouraged in your walk with the Lord. You think, why am I not experiencing riches now? You will experience some. But the inheritance? You won't get the full inheritance until your election is complete and you reconnect with Jesus in eternity. So many people suffer from spiritual amnesia. They can't remember who they are, they don't remember, oh, yeah, I'm elect. I'm chosen by God to receive a co-inheritance with Jesus' Son, the entire kingdom. Okay, I'm gonna tell this story even though it definitely uh, might make you think less of me. (laughs) I had a secretary years ago, she was wonderful, her name was Kathy Tilden. And what I liked about Kathy is she laughed at all my anything I said, she just laughed at she had a great laugh. So I love Kathy. But uh, Kathy one day was on a bicycle trip where she was training for a bike race, and she was riding this loop around a lake. And I think it was some ducks that crossed the path, so she had to swerve. She fell off the bike, and she cracked her head on a rock. So I got a phone call. Kathy's in the hospital. She was about to be married, and so I called Tom, her fiancé, and said, Tom, I'll meet you at the hospital. So Tom and I met there, and he had already talked to the doctor, and the doctor said, she's fine. She has a concussion, but she's doing fine. And when she wakes up, she might have a little bit of memory loss. Okay, this will tell you some things about me. I'm kind of ornery. I like teasing people, particularly Kathy, because she laughs. So I said to Tom, Tom, can I mess with her? He said, oh, yeah that'd be great. So as soon as she woke up, and she's like, where am I? What's going on? I said, well, here's your husband. The kids are back home. She's
0: like, I'm married?
1: I have kids? Well, we we kept telling her all this stuff that wasn't true, and she's like, what? I have a house? Where's my house? (laughs) Again, it's kind of mean. But the doctor had told me already, she's fine, she'll be fine, she'll come back very quickly. <laughs> so we finally couldn't do it any longer, we were laughing, and she's like, I'm not married, I don't have children, <laughs> she'll know, and of course she thought I was very funny. <laughs> some of her friends, I think some of her family members thought, wow, that pastor you work for, he's very cruel. I'm like. But that's what it's like. Some people spiritually are like Kathy. They can't remember who they are. They temporarily forget. Oh, yeah. I'm the elect. I have the full inheritance of the kingdom of God. Whatever Jesus receives, I will receive as a co-inheritor with him. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Have you forgotten that? In the middle of the day, this week, on Wednesday, Thursday, it's really easy to forget who you are, isn't it? Oh, I think I'm just this guy that has car problems, or I can't find a job, or I'm struggling with finding food. And you forget, oh, wait, 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 wait. I am very wealthy. I am God's chosen elect. If you forget that, if you forget who you are in Christ, you will go through a lot of struggles. So Peter's telling us here, guys, don't forget who you are. You are elect exiles. You've been born again into a living hope. You have an inheritance that will not fade, that's guarded in heaven. Nobody can get to it. You know, in my own life, I've experienced this. Some of this is stuff I've told before. But about five years ago, I had an accident in surgery. The man who was operating on me, he slipped with a laser and he cut my colon open, but he didn't know it. So a couple days later, I was in a free fall. I had a near-death experience, so I'm told. I wasn't awake. He'd have to ask Laurel what was going on. But they were worried I wasn't going to make it. Uh, And again, I can remember coming out of it, I, I knew something was wrong because when I woke up, my family was in a circle around the bed crying. I thought, that can't be good. Something's wrong here. Well, again, I eventually started recovering and getting better over that summer. And by the time I got out, I had been planting a new church with some students that I had brought along to help them learn how to plant churches. And we had been about three years in. We were just at that stage where we were gaining momentum. And they got worried when I was sick and out. They worried they weren't going to get paid. I, I don't know what all they were worried about. But they came to me after I finally got well and said, we want you to step down. We want to take over the church. And also, we want to take over the seminary, the school. I was like, what? It was such a shock to me. I I can honestly say it was far worse than the septic shock I went through, the medical thing. The emotional thing of having what you thought were your friends, your co-workers in Christ say, we want you out, we want to take over, was overwhelming. And I forgot for a little bit who I was. It's like, oh, how could this be happening to me? It's like, wait, do you not remember? You're an elect exile it's taken me five years to kind of start getting some of my memory back oh yeah I've been chosen by God not because of anything I've done but because of the precious blood of Jesus I am elect I started forgetting that have you started forgetting that In the middle of your troubles, have you forgotten who you are? You've got to remind yourself, go back to 1 Peter 1.1, and you will remember, oh, yeah, I'm an elect exile. God has decreed it, (laughs) and he has protected it. And that's why the first word, elect, tells me who I am, but the second word tells me where I am. There are many Christians who act today like they're already supposed to be experiencing the fullness of eternity. No. We get some glimpses of it now, but not yet. We we are exiles currently. We are expats. Did you know you're an expat? Not from America, not from Europe, not from Haiti, not from Canada. You're an expat because your real home is the kingdom of God, and you are currently away from your home. Now, I have lived in a couple of foreign cultures before. For a year, right after we got married, Laurel and I lived in Scotland, in Edinburgh, Scotland. They speak English, kind of. Even though sometimes I had a hard time understanding their accent, they had a hard time understanding mine. But anybody who's lived in a foreign culture, you know that sometimes you feel alienation. You're like, what's going on here? So I'm going to tell you one of my stories. I got invited to these people's home for dinner in Scotland. The first thing that I was not normal for me is there were other people there who just watched us eat. They didn't get to eat the dinner. We just ate the dinner. And I'm like, shouldn't we give them? No, no, no. They weren't invited. I'm like, okay. Second thing that freaked me out was in Scotland, during a meal, you do not talk. And so it was so loud. Everyone, I, I'm an American, you know, I'm like, hey, what? And they're like, we're eating. We don't, we don't talk right now. So it's just this loud sound of knives and forks clanking on the plate for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then they would clear that away, and now you can talk. I wasn't used to that, but the one that freaked me out the most is, and I brought as an illustration my wife's orange silverware. Knife and fork, okay? I started learning from them something about this because I noticed they would eat with them in different hands. In America, it's normal we eat like this, we cut that, I'm sorry, we eat like this. We cut it with a a right hand, if we're right-handed, and then we eat it. They don't. They do it like this. And they cut their meat, or whatever they have, and then they push it onto what we call the back of the fork. So I asked him one time, I go, why, why don't you turn it over and push it onto the curved part of the fork? That's the front of the fork. They said, no, that's the back of the fork. That's why it's like this. You, you, you put the food on there and you press it in between the fork grooves and then you eat it. And I said, what? No, this is clearly the front of the fork. He said, no, 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 no. That's the back of the fork. What? They said, okay, well, let me ask you something, American. I said, okay. They said, why do you switch hands when you eat? I go, what are you talking about? They go, we eat like this. Cut the meat straight into my mouth. Cut the meat straight into my mouth. You guys do it like this. Cut the meat, switch hands, and put it in your mouth. Why don't you just put the fork in the right hand and do it correctly? Push it onto the back of the fork and you just eat like that. And I'm like, so you guys really think that's the front of the fork? They're, they're looking at me, they're like, you really think that's the front of the fork? And I'm like, wow. This is the feeling you get when you're in a foreign culture. They just don't do things the way you do. How many of you that have been expats that moved to Haiti, what, what's the first thing you noticed? Anybody want to share the first thing you noticed about Haiti? You go like, What? You're afraid to share these things? <laughs> I'll tell you what the first thing was for me. I didn't know you could pass a car on both sides. <laughs> I'm like, what? what's he doing? The first time I thought, oh, he, that guy's crazy, foo-foo. <laughs> but after that, I started thinking, everybody does this. They honk, burr, burr, motorcycles. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, Obviously, the other thing that's, even though the place I come from in the summer is very hot, just in the summer, here I'm like, oh, that's my adjustment. I'm so hot. I have to carry rags around to mop up the sweat. Well, it's not right or wrong. It's just different. And God wants you to understand this. You are an exile right now. There are many things that will be common in this world that you'll go, these will not be so in the kingdom of God. Don't get discouraged. You're not home yet. You're living as a stranger in a strange land right now. And so you will feel some alienation sometimes. It's normal, it's part of being a follower of Jesus. That's why Peter, uh, when he writes to these churches, you can see they're, they're what we call Turkey today, the northern part of Turkey. Listen to what Peter says about this, just again in the first chapter. In this you rejoice, the fact that you are elect, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes when tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor, when? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. You may go through... Various trials. Elsewhere in the book of Peter, you'll read this. He'll say, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're currently going through, as though there's something strange. You're in exile. Don't be shocked when things don't go the way that you think they should go. You're in exile. You're not home yet. And so Peter says, Don't be surprised. Peter had his own share of surprises. Uh, you'll see on the journal we have a, a, a carving there, a picture of Peter crucified upside down. So probably very shortly after he wrote these letters, Peter was crucified in Rome, and he begged and pled with the Romans, please, I am not worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. Please crucify me upside down, far more painful if it's possible to get more painful and so the early church held that tradition and so many artists over the centuries have painted paintings of Peter being crucified upside down he knew what it was like to be in exile he's got to be thinking sometimes God why are you allowing this why are you allowing me to go through these fiery trials right now And then he goes, oh, yeah, remember where I am. I'm an exile. I'm elect, but I'm also an exile. I must remember those two words. When you forget who you are, you must remember you're elect, chosen of God. When you forget where you are, you must remember you're a stranger in a strange land. This isn't home yet. I want to conclude with a story... I've told this way too many times because it means so much to me personally. I don't know if it's true or not, but I still love the story. Two elderly Scottish missionaries had been in Africa for most of their lives. And when they retired, they were sailing on a ship back to their home. And when they got off board the ship in Great Britain... There was an Olympic team on the ship with them. And there were ticker tape parades and bands and thousands of people there to cheer them and greet them when these athletes came back from the Olympics. And the elderly Scottish missionary stood at the rail of the ship watching them unload and this whole parade and everything. And even though he wasn't an emotional man, tears running down his face. And his wife said, what's wrong? He said, we've spent our whole life trying to help people in Africa. And there's not anyone here, there isn't even anybody to greet us. There's no one. These guys have a parade, they have bands, they're cheering them on. And with great wisdom, his wife grabbed hold of his hand on the rail and said, honey, we're not home yet. There'll be a band. There'll be a ticker tape parade. There will be a crowd. The book of Hebrews says, a great cloud of witnesses who will welcome us when we enter into our home, but we are not there yet. We are exiles. Again, if you don't remember anything else from what I talked about this morning, just remember those two words I'm elect, I'm an exile. This is who I am and where I am. When you get that right, you can understand when trials come your way. You can have patience even in the moment, even when it seems like this is wrong.
0: We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.